Hey everyone, let me introduce you to Harmonizely.com. Harmonizely lets you build your own unique scheduling page based on your availability so you can start scheduling meetings in just a couple of minutes. Get started by connecting your online calendar and configuring your meeting preferences. Then you start sharing your scheduling page with your invitees. It's that easy. It integrates very well with open standards like Caldav and of course Zimbra, Zoho, Fastmail, Nextcloud and many more. Have a look at it. Harmonizely.com. Thank you for listening to Data Science at Home podcast with Francesco Gadaletta. You are about to get cutting edge insights from the people who are reshaping the world of technology with machine learning, data science, and artificial intelligence. It's time for Data Science at Home. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco podcasting from the usual office in Belgium. I'm back home. I hope you guys are also home. We know how important it is, especially in this period. And so I think this is probably the best period of the year to listen to Data Science at Home podcast. As I promised last week, um, this episode will be dedicated to a way to measure how can machine learning models memorize information, especially in those cases in which mothers are really not supposed to uh, maintain the secrets or learning the secrets from the training data. It is a problem that uh, we have found a number of times and uh, we have found also solutions to, uh, but it's not just an academic problem. This is something that happens in the real world and it's extremely dangerous especially now that many machine learning models are used for different purposes, uh, for, of course, running predictions, but also to generate data. Think about the family of generative models in several domains, for example, medical images, but also audio, numerical features, numerical data, text in NLP, and so on. Now, the problem that I want to tackle in this episode is goes under the name of unintentional memorization, which is a problem that a lot of machine learning models, especially generative models, have. What is unintentional memorization? Well, when you are training a model, you usually use training data, right? Now, there is training data that you really don't want the model to uh, memorize because when you put the model in inference mode, what happens is that the model is providing a prediction, depending on, of course, the, the use case. But what you really do not want the model to reveal is some so-called secrets that might be in your training data and that you don't want to expose, right? So there is a very interesting example in the family of generative models. Um, for example, the models that can generate text given a particular context, and they can do so on a character level or on a word level. And so think about the models that we have been discussing many episodes ago, at the beginning, probably a few, and one year ago, if not more, in which we discussed about neural networks that could predict the next word given a context of, for example, 20 words. 
And so we could train a model of this type by just feeding the model a book. Uh, in that case, it was a book from, uh, well, it was Alice in Wonderland, uh, downloaded from a Gutenberg project. So free text that you can download uh, from the web. And uh, we use this text in order to train a machine learning model that could, in fact, start in generating text in the style of uh, Alice in Wonderland. Now, that was an experiment. It was a lot of fun to make. But if you think this is exactly the same approach that Google Smart Compose is using or many other auto completion systems that are based on, for example, LSTM network or recurrent neural networks in general, that basically predict the probability of the next word given a bunch of other words that you are typing in your email. And so if you are on Gmail, for example, you would be experiencing this for a while now, uh, you would type your email and sooner than later, you might find some words that pop up under your indicator and uh, you can just tab and uh, because most of the time that word is indeed um, the one that you were about to type in the immediate future. So this is not magic, unfortunately, uh, or maybe I should say fortunately, uh, this is the power of predictions. And um, the way it works is very simple. Those models have been trained on billions of phrases and words. And after this training, the model has learned that a particular word has a high or low probability of appearing by reading at the context of the previous words that have been written already. Now, the problem of this is that if you were typing something like, um, my social security number is and you start typing the, the, I don't know how many digits, I think it's six digits, uh, if I'm not wrong. Or for example, the number of my credit card is, and you start typing the 16 digits of your credit card. So if these type of phrases were in the training set, well, it means that the model might have learned credit card numbers as well as social security numbers or any other secret that was part of the training data. And so what you don't want to happen is, of course, that the model that, in fact, is being used by many other people, especially those who never owned the training data, well, the model might be spitting information to these people, to the, uh, you know, to the users of the model who were clearly not the owner of the, uh, of the training of the data that has been used to train that model. There are different metrics that we need to define in order to understand and measure what is unintentional memorization and how much is the model memorizing secrets. Now, one thing to pay attention to is that even when the training data text is very rare, uh, one should assume that a well-trained model could still have paid enough attention to these rare words or phrases and might have memorized a pattern so accurately that in fact, even if that particular phrase was rare in the training data, that might be revealed when the model is in inference mode. This is a problem that, as I said, is it is very real for several domains, go from text, from NLP, to more generic domains that involve in predictions of uh, numerical data and, of course, in the realm of uh, synthetic data generation. 
Another concept that I want you to get familiar with is something that naively uh, many people think is the reason why models start memorizing things. Usually we relate this unintentional memorization to the problem of overfitting, which means learning the training data so well that, okay, the model probably is not going to generalize uh, enough on unseen observations. And that's probably the reason why the model is in fact memorizing the data as they are. This is not the reason why certain models unintentionally memorize secrets. Uh, in fact, unintentional memorization has been observed in the very early stages of training during which it was literally impossible for the model to be overtrained or to overfit the data. There are also other forms of mitigation that have been discussed and have been considered in order to prevent unintentional memorization to happen. One in particular is the so-called early stopping as well as dropout. These are all forms of regularization. And even dropout is not sufficient technique to prevent unintended memorization. Even a model that is relatively small, which means much smaller than the training data, it would not have the capacity to store the training data as is. Even in those cases, we have seen models of this caliber unintentionally memorize the training or some secrets present in the training data. Uh, as I said, this is very real. So let's define a methodology that I've been reading in a very interesting paper that I will report as always in the show notes of this episode on datascienceathome.com. And uh, before going into the details, of course, feel free to download the previous episode in which we speak about um, synthetic data generation, we'll speak about data anonymization and the differences between anonymization and synthetic data and the risks of sharing data that have been anonymized. Back to this problem, let's define the threat model and the testing methodology. So the question that we want to answer in this episode is very simple. Is my model likely to memorize and potentially expose even rarely occurring on sensitive sequences that are present in the training data? In order to measure this and to answer this question, uh, what this research group has done is, in fact, inserting randomly chosen canary sequences a varying number of times into the model's training data, so that once the model has been trained on, you know, on this augmented version of the training data, then it's a matter of measuring how many times did the model reveal these secrets during inference. Now, I'm saying all this in common English words, but in fact, there is a mathematical framework that has been created in order to prove this, and not only that, but also to implement these measures and these metrics in, uh, in real. There are several metrics that I will introduce. One in particular is the perplexity. So perplexity is something that goes a bit as the opposite of likelihood. So if you're familiar with the concept of likelihood, you should also be familiar with the concept of perplexity. How can I explain this? Well, let me give you a very simple example. So if I told you that tomorrow the sky is going to be blue, so that's my prediction about the color of the sky tomorrow. Now, of course, since you are in a country in which the sky is almost always blue, 
you know, the likelihood for this to happen, the likelihood of my prediction to occur is very high, which means that the perplexity would be very low. So the perplexity is in fact a synonym of uh, the level of surprise that you would experience if you saw the sky to be blue tomorrow. Now, if I told you that the sky tomorrow is going to be green, unless you are in Finland uh, during Aurora Borealis, probably it's, it never happened that the sky was green. And so the likelihood of this to happen is very, very low, which means that if tomorrow you see the sky as green, well, we will be very surprised. And there you go. The perplexity is very high. This is a concept. It's very easy to grasp. I hope I did a decent job with the, the, the sky example. But this applies pretty much on the secrets that can be expected from a model during inference and that were part of the training set. So if the model is surprised into seeing a particular uh, canary, while well, the perplexity would be high. Otherwise, the likelihood would be high as well, right? So likelihood and perplexity are negatively correlated, so to speak. Let's go back to the problem of uh, unintentional memorization. Well, another metric that the research group of this work has used is the so-called exposure metric. And um, in order to explain the exposure metric, I first have to explain what the rank of a specific canary is. So again, the canary is one of these secrets that you inject in the data and that look like the data that you're trying to protect. So for example, if you are protecting credit card numbers, and so you don't want your generative model to indeed generate the, the, the number of a real credit card that might be in your training data, well, then your canary, your typical canary would be a sequence of numbers that resemble the, the number of a credit card, right? So it's in fact, I don't know, 16 uh, digits in the same flavor, if you were about to protect, for example, a password of 10 digits, you would be generating canaries that look like the passwords that you want to protect. And so let's assume the password that you're protecting against is uh, 10 digits, you would have to generate 10 to the power of 10, which is 10 billion different canaries. At least that's the, the number of possibilities that you can uh, generate canaries from. So once you have your list of all possibly instantiated canaries, what you can do is in fact order them by the empirical model perplexity of all those sequences. And so this would allow you to in fact list all the possible canaries in which you would have, for example, the password is 1024, etc., or the password is uh, 3442, etc., and so on for all the possibilities. And you would start sorting these canaries by the perplexity, which is the amount of surprise that the model has uh, when it starts generating these numbers in inference mode. Now, the concept of exposure is, in fact, very close to the concept of uh, rank of a canary. So the rank of a canary is simply the index in the list of all possibly instantiated canaries after you sort by uh, model perplexity. And so what would the exposure be? Well, it's something that is, as I said, very close or very related to the rank and can be efficiently approximated. Because as you can understand, if I had to use the rank only, 
you know, that would be the downside of using the, the rank only would be that if you are protecting, as we already said, passwords of 10 digits, you would expose the randomness space already to 10 billion, which is, you know, for several problems would be not conceivable. Another metric that we will use is so-called guessing entropy. This is the number of guesses that is required under an optimal strategy in order to guess the value of a discrete random variable x. And so what the exposure is, the exposure of a particular canary, is in fact the given by the logarithm of the randomness space, in this case 10 billion, minus the logarithm of the rank of that particular canary. And so if, the, if you think of the randomness space, well, as I said, in this case, it's 10 billion. So the logarithm of that is going to be 23, I guess, if it's, uh, um, if it's base 2 or 10 if it's base 10, um, minus the logarithm of the rank of the canary. So as you can see, R, which is the randomness space, is a constant that never changes. And that's defined beforehand. That's defined by the fact that you want to protect a sequence of ten of ten digits that makes the that defines the randomness space at the very beginning, and so what the exposure is well is a real value that goes from zero to the logarithm of the randomness space, and so the exposure is a, a value that goes from zero to the logarithm of the randomness space. And the maximum of the exposure is achieved only by the most likely top-ranked canary, while the minimum of zero is the least likely. Now, in the paper, the researchers have defined a way to approximate exposure by sampling and by distribution modeling. Now, I'm not going into the details of how they did that because there's a quite a lot of math into that, which I find it extremely difficult to explain on a podcast, but I really invite you to have a read of the paper that you will find in the show notes of this episode. It's a very interesting read, though sometimes it's full of notions that need their time to be digested, but I'm pretty sure you guys can make it. So the purpose of this work is in fact to allow practitioners to make informed decisions based upon how much memorization is known to occur under various settings of your model. And so this strategy essentially repeats the experiment where one trains with artificially inserted canaries added to the training data and then use the metric that we have defined, for example, the exposure metric, in order to assess to what extent the model has memorized them. So if you were about to define this strategy for your particular use case, what you need to do is, in fact, before testing the model for memorization, one has to define a format of the canaries that will be inserted. The second step consists of augmenting the data set. And so take each canary and insert it into the training data. In order to report detailed metrics, one can also insert multiple different canaries a varying number of times. After that, step three is about training the model. And so the model will be trained on the augmented training data. This training process should be identical applying the same model using the same optimizer for the same number of iterations with the same hyperparameters and so on. Finally, we need to, given the training model, we need to apply the exposure metric in order to test the model for unintentional memorization. 
And so for each of these canaries, one has to compute and report the exposure. This approach has been used in different domains with different models, going from LSTMs to recurrent neural networks, from word level language models to character level language models, uh, to neural machine translation models, and so on. And they have found very similar scenarios in which these models could in fact learn or actually memorize unintentionally words or characters or bunch of characters in other cases. Now, what happens is that uh, except for the character level uh, model, uh, which of course have a much harder time to memorize things unintentionally, I like to stress on the problem, this is real, this is something that happens, and uh, if you think about generating synthetic data with pure machine learning models, bear in mind that there is unintentional memorization as a monster behind the corner, and you will start eventually uh, spilling out information from your models when they are, whenever they are in inference mode. So what can be done in order to mitigate this problem? Well, not so much, to be honest with you, except for taking a completely different approach to the problem of, in this case, synthetic data generation. Bear in mind that overtraining is not really related to unintentional memorization. We have found that a number of times, overtraining, overfitting, that's not where the problem is. Another idea that many others have uh, considered is uh, regularization techniques, you know, because naively one might think of, okay, I might drop out something in my model and I'll try to regularize my models however I can and uh, so that the model will be, uh, you know, penalized and will never learn how my data look like and the secrets that eventually are present in the training data. Again, dropout is not an effective technique that mitigates unintentional memorization. Um, the only thing that seems to work is differential privacy, but not just differential privacy as is, but differentially private learning or training. And so, you know, this is a concept that, you know, take the concept of differential privacy applied to stochastic gradient descent. So in fact is training neural networks in a differentially private fashion. Now, this is okay, this seems to work, but there is a problem also on the other side that is accuracy. You will start losing accuracy whenever you apply differential private stochastic gradient descent techniques, you are in fact sacrificing accuracy. And so that's the price that you have to pay if you want a bit more budget in privacy terms. So this is something that again, you have to pay attention to whenever you are using machine learning or pure machine learning models, especially neural networks to generate synthetic data, pay attention to these things and never use that stuff as is because you are running a very, very high risk of disclosing secrets from the training data. And so if the idea of using synthetic data was to protect the training data that you are uh, training the model with, well, in that case, you failed miserably because you, you are distributing a model that can be probed, it can be put in inference mode, can be hacked, and I will push that model to reveal the secrets and the training data that I was not supposed to see in the first place.
At Primal, which is my new venture, we are very much aware of this. If you don't know about it, PRYML.io is the website. We are building amazing technologies to generate synthetic data the proper way, among other things. And if you want to know more, of course, go to the website, PRYML.io, and leave your email and get notified whenever we are ready to launch. That's it for today. I hope you find this interesting. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.